We're here in the middle of Puerto Santa Ana in Ecuador, close to the Amazon. Kids are receiving the shoebox for the very first time in their lives. Gracias por empacar las cajitas de regalo. Gracias por orar por estos niños. When I was 10 years old, I received an Operation Christmas Child shoebox in my hometown, Ambato, Ecuador. I remember my favorite thing in that box. It was like this black jacket, super cool, that I was wearing until I turned 16, I think. <laughs> I understand when I received the shoebox that God was taking care of me in a particular way. He was putting his eyes on me. When I understood that, I just felt that I needed to give something back. So after I, I received my shoebox, I, I decided that I want to do something, but I was not a, a, a preacher back those days. I was Stan. <laughs> so the, the easy way was become a clown. <laughs> so I was a clown. I used to do a lot of puppets and those kind of stuff, uh, trying to just turn the gospel with the shoeboxes and all those things. When you understand that God could call anyone, but he decided to call you, <laughs> it makes me feel like I need to do my greatest and just put all my energy as the people that were part of the party that I was in when I was 10. I want to be the same thing now. <laughs> I want to give my all my energy because you never know who around all of those children are becoming pastors, are becoming servants. We're not just giving gifts to the children. We are opening doors for them to understand that God has an entire life for them. God has a plan with every single children that is receiving this shoebox. Today, I have the privilege to be the senior pastor in the Hechos 29 Church in Ambato, Ecuador. This simple shoebox gave me the chance to see my great father loves for me. And now that's the reason that all Sunday mornings, I'm so excited to, to go to the church and share the gospel and, and, and preach. It gave me the chance to see that. There are many people just like me that are in need, maybe just of a hack or just to hurt that Jesus loved them. And now I'm able to do that because someone just heard God's voice and put a black jacket on my shoebox. Man, it's just so crazy that people are just so willing to give something from themselves. But that is God. It's God working through people for other people. And for the ones that are packing shoeboxes, man, thank you very much. You are doing a huge, huge work just hearing God's voice.
next month, members of fellowship will have the opportunity to nominate new elders to our elder board. In our church governance structure, the elder board is made up of godly men who make critical and significant decisions on behalf of our church body. We are not a church with elders. We are a church led by elders. The nomination and recognition process are very important to the health of our church family. And we ask that you enter into this season prayerfully. Here is what we are asking members of fellowship to do. First, please pray for the elder nomination process and discern whether you should nominate someone to the office of elder. Second, if you do have a nomination, please visit fellowshipnwa.org forward slash elder nomination and complete the online form. 
Read the accompanying document entitled Qualifications of an Elder before making your nomination. Or if you prefer a paper nomination form, you may pick one up at the information desk located in the worship center foyer at each campus. The nomination form will be attached to the qualification of an elder document. Please mail paper nominations to the church office on the Rogers campus to the attention of the elders. The deadline for making a nomination is December 22nd. Please pray for your elders as we initiate the recognition of new elders. Finally, we would like to thank John Dyer and Doug Walker for their many years of faithful service as elders. They have done a phenomenal job of representing you and the Lord well during their tenure. When you see them, thank them for their service and thank you for your participation and help. Let's pray together as a church body as uh, we get new elders. Good morning. My, my name's Abel, and this is Bart, and we are two of the Bentonville pastors, and we are glad to be here together with y'all in person and online. Special welcome if you are new. We'd love to know you're here. You can do that by zooming in on this eight-foot giant QR code on your camera. Pop open your camera. Open that up. It'll send you to a link. And then you can scroll down a little bit and it'll say, I'm new form, fill that out, and we'll reach out to you from there. Also, at this link, you can find everything, uh, all the information about what we're going to talk about in the next three minutes. So, if you are tired and need a nap, now's the time. Just get that QR code and then you can sleep for the next three minutes and, and we'll wake you up at the end. Yeah. Bart? Yeah, you know, it's mid-November and it, there's already stuff that's happening for Christmas season and including this right here, the shoebox. And so Operation Christmas Child, is, 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 it's upon us. And if you like deadlines or if deadlines motivate you like they do at our household, uh, then I've got two for you. First is that today is the last day to pick one of these up if you haven't done that yet. And then next Sunday is the week to bring it back. So we have two of these at our house and we're gonna get them filled up this week and bring them back next Sunday. And then also, uh, we have a special family Advent service that's coming up in two weekends. So on the 29th, on the afternoon at 4 p.m., we'll have a family service right here in this room. And so we'll have lots of space and, uh, for everyone. But we do ask parents to sign up uh, in advance, go online and, and do that so that we have room for your family. And, and well, that's a good reminder for all of us to register for these services, to sign up online before you come. Yeah, last week was actually the first week uh, since we've reopened that we had overflow services. So uh, we had to send some folks to overflow, and they, they got showered. They put on a shirt with buttons probably and still had to watch it on the screen. So uh, let's reserve our seats uh, on Sunday mornings. Um, lastly, Bart and I wanted to give you all an update on Fellowship Bentonville. Uh, we were out there last week at the property when this footage was taken uh, filming an inspiring video that will probably bring you to tears if you see it. Um, but we, uh, we really were blown away by the movement over there. I mean, it is buzzing. A lot of workers, a lot of change at the property. And we want to thank you all. Over a thousand families have given to this Fellowship Bentonville project, and we are grateful. What a generous body to be a part of, and thank you for your generosity. Yeah, Abel, one uh, uh, part of the generosity has helped to pay for steel beams, like the ones you see 
uh, that are under construction here, and you can even see those from the highway on I-49 now. And we have two of those beams that will be used in the construction process, and one of them is right out here under the breezeway, and the other is up at the, at the Bentonville property. And so you're welcome to st- swing by here on, before you leave today or go by the property, and you can, you can write down a, a favorite verse, maybe a prayer that you're praying or a blessing uh, for the Fellowship Bentonville, and we would encourage you to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been said that no great spiritual movement has ever happened without being preceded by a great prayer movement. And so we ask y'all, would y'all, would y'all join us in praying that we would be a light to our communities in Bentonville, Bella Vista, and Centerton, and the, and the surrounding areas. That's why we're building this thing, is to be a light to reach our friends and neighbors for Jesus and, 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 uh, and be an influence for him. So let's pray about that right now. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of gathering together. Thanks for every person here in this room and online. Lord, we love you. We're grateful for the opportunity to sing praise to your name, to glorify you, to lift up the name of Jesus together. And we're grateful that you have given us the opportunity for a new congregation. We put that in your hands, Lord. We thank you for the work you've done in our hearts and our lives already. And we do ask that you would be glorified through Fellowship Bentonville and each of our congregations. Lord, we, uh, we need you. We acknowledge that this morning. Teach us from your word and uh, be glorified by our worship. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with us again? Let's continue to sing the greatness of our God. We look to him as the giver of life and the author and perfecter of our faith. He is worthy of worship. So let's sing to him. We pour 
months, we've been engaged on a journey together as a church through our Clarity 2020 emphasis. Now, Clarity 2020 uh, is a 12-month-long spiritual journey that began as a sermon series, and it was based on the traditional church calendar. So we looked at uh, the, the season of Advent one year and a week ago today, and then we journeyed on into Epiphany, and that led into Lent and then into Easter, and then we studied theology, and eventually we ended this fall in the church. And today is the last week of Clarity 2020. And, and I hope that it's been a significant journey for you. It's not just a sermon series. It uh, was daily Bible readings and weekly devotionals and prayers, and, and we had our guides that, that took us through it. Now, what's important? Interesting about it is that the idea was birthed in the fall of 2018. That's when we started thinking about it as a staff. And think about the wisdom of God that he knew in 2020, in a year that we would be challenged and fragmented more than ever as a church. He gave us every sermon, every Bible reading, every prayer, and put it in the hands of people, not only here, but across the country and even across the world. People joined us on this journey. And so as we wrap it up, I thought it would be worthy of us to take just a few moments in our worship to process. So I have two questions from you. These come from Shirley Conan. She leads one of our young professional groups. Think about these. First, 
if our goal was to see Jesus more clearly, what has God shown you? How has he revealed himself to you? Maybe through a sermon or a small group discussion in your community group. Maybe through the Bible reading or the struggle to stay on a Bible reading plan. What has he shown you? And then second question, how have you responded? As God has revealed himself to you as he's laid things on your heart, how have you responded? Well, to close out the series, let me pray the prayer for today, this last week. Would you pray with me? Will God of peace continue to make me more like you? I thank you that your work in Christ is done. Jesus, thank you that you loosened the stranglehold of sin and removed the sting of death. Nothing can separate me from your love, not brokenness, affliction, trials, even death. Victory is yours. Yet I acknowledge that your work in me is still being done. Holy Spirit, thank you for faithfully loosening the grip of sin as I submit to your leading. Help me to continue to turn toward you and away from sin. Thank you for comforting me when life is difficult and darkness is around me. Help me to seek your peace and comfort every day. Oh God, sanctify every part of my being. Sanctify this church, this city, and all of creation. Heaven, make your home on earth. Lord, continue to make all things new. Amen.
pray this to the Lord we see then any comfort Jesus is look like to be a committed follower of Jesus? What is the expectation placed upon those who call Jesus Lord? What does it look like to be a sincere follower of Jesus, someone who is on track, someone who is considered to be mature in their faith? What does it practically look like each day when it's put into action? How do you sum it up? How do you sum up what it means to be a follower of Jesus? Well, when Jesus was asked to summarize the faith, he boiled it down to two things. He said, love the Lord your God with everything you've got, with all your what? Heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he said to love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love people. Being a follower of Jesus has both a vertical focus, a devotional aspect to it, and then it has a horizontal aspect or a, a communal or relational emphasis. I think you could say it this way, that a sincere follower of Jesus expresses love for people and devotion to God. Love God, love people. This is the essence of the faith. This is the irreducible minimum of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Hey, I want you to open your Bibles this morning to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 
And so whether you've got it on your digital device or, or in print, whether you're home watching on your laptop or here with us in the room, open up. And today we're gonna look at the remaining verses of this New Testament letter. So not only are we closing out clarity today, we're also closing out our fall teaching series on this New Testament epistle. And in today's passage, we are going to see instruction, specific instruction on how to live out these two essential loves, love for people and love for God. Now, what we're gonna find in our verses today is that, that this passage, although it is short, is full of commands. In fact, we're going to find close to 20 different commands or imperatives in this passage. So I am 100% confident that you will be able to apply today's passage to your life. So if you ever come to church and you feel like, man, I don't, I don't think that this is relevant for me. This, we're studying this ancient first century document. What, what do I do with it? Today is not the day. In fact, I'm gonna slap a guarantee on today's sermon. I guarantee you that you will have 100% satisfaction in the application of today's sermon or your money back. Whatever you pay to reserve your slot online, uh, whatever you're paying to stream online will give you your money back. It's like my pillow. If it's not the best pillow you've ever had, we'll give you your money back. Full refund. Hey, let's jump into the passage. Look at verses 12 and 13. First, the passage under the banner of loving people is going to get really specific on how to love a particular group of people, spiritual leaders. Look at verse 12. It says, now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. These first two verses instruct, those on, uh, instruct us on how to love those who lead us spiritually. Verse 12 says to acknowledge those who care for us in the Lord and who admonish you. In context, it's describing the shepherds and elders and leaders in the church in first century Thessalonica, those teachers, those guides who provided soul care for those in that church. So first up, in the section of our passage describing how to sincerely express love for others is how to love spiritual leaders. And look at how it describes them. It describes them as as working hard. It describes them as um, taking care of us and admonishing us. Uh, that word admonish, it simply means to um, correct or to warn or to instruct. So the passage describes spiritual leadership. And it first describes it as hard work. And I found that to be true in my life taking responsibility for the spiritual well-being of another person or the soul care of a group of people can absolutely wear you out. It's a calling, but you're always on call. It's exhilarating. At the same time, it can be very exasperating. It's an honor, and at the same time, it can be heartbreaking. It's a, a privilege, but it can also be very overwhelming. But this is the Lord's plan to use people, to use servant leaders to care for and guide and shepherd the church. 
And through those spiritual influencers, through those spiritual leaders, he brings health to the body of Christ. Aren't we thankful for our spiritual leaders? Can you think of someone in your life who's been a primary spiritual influence for you? Who's cared for you in the Lord? who's instructed and guided you and mentored you, who's been used to shape and form who you are in Christ. I think of old Jim Hall. Now, how many of you have been around long enough to remember Jim Hall from Fayetteville? Yeah, he had that old raspy voice. Um, He was one of our elders and teaching pastors. He went on from here to go plant New Heights Church in Fayetteville, which has become a phenomenally awesome and healthy church. There's one in Bentonville as well. Jim poured his life into me. When I first came into the ministry, I came out of the business world. I was a stockbroker, and Jim and Pam started to pour their lives into Amy and I. And so he taught me, and he guided me, and he corrected me, and he prayed for me. Jim used to carry around this yellow legal pad, and and it was was chaos on the yellow legal pad. Had all kinds of lists and scribblings and marks and arrows and X's and stars. And for two years, I was on that list every day. Jim would call me, or I would call him. Two to three times a week, I was in his home. We went to the hospitals together. We led small groups together. We went on ministry trips together. We went on mission trips together. We did life together. And he would share with me, here's what I was thinking about you, or here's something you need to work on, or here's something I'm praying for you. And Jim had a a remarkable influence on who I was as a husband and eventually a father and as a pastor. Who has their fingerprints on your spiritual story? Can you think of someone Well, how do we love our spiritual leaders? Well, there's some some insight right there in the passage. We'll get to that in just a second. We'll get to that in just a second. It gives us three things. First, acknowledge your pastors, then hold them in highest regards, and then live at peace with them. It says to acknowledge them, to recognize them, to show them your your gratitude. And so as somebody comes to mind this morning, you're gonna have an application step to to reach out to them. Secondly, honor them and respect them. The Lord's put them in your life. Now, it doesn't uh, say that you should honor and respect everything if they're out of bounds or being disobedient. It's implied that they're godly and that they're honorable and then live at peace with them. Don't nitpick them. Uh, Don't... Um, over-criticize them, try to live at harmony with them. So application step, who do you need to acknowledge today? Maybe you students or children, you need to write a note of gratefulness for your small group leader in elementary ministry or FSM. Maybe you adults, you can think back to your youth group days or you can think through to your community group days or a Bible study leader, a Sunday school leader who's mentored you and poured their life into you. Reach out, send a letter, buy them a coffee, send them a gift card. Now, I've already blown my joke, but let me give you my joke. It's awkward for me to teach you a passage about honoring your spiritual leaders without it coming across as pandering for a thank you note or a gift card. So I'm not really asking for you to give me anything. This is where you're supposed to laugh. Thank you. And I'm not asking for our staff. And I'm serious when I say that. You know what we think about serving you? It's the greatest thrill of our lives. What a privilege it is to be a spiritual leader at Fellowship Bible Church and how good you treat us and take care of us and we get out of bed every day and count it a thrill 
to be one of your spiritual leaders. So I'm not asking for gifts. But don't forget, at Fellowship Bible Church, we don't just consider those who are uh, called to vocational ministry to be spiritual leaders. We consider our community group leaders and our student ministry leaders and our children's ministry leaders, uh, our volunteer leaders to be that leadership base, to reach out to someone this week and say thanks, express gratitude to them. So that's the first group of people that we're to express love to. Let's move on in the passage, verses 14 and 15, and look at this second group. And in fact, this is gonna be a list. We're gonna see five different commands attached to five different types of people and how we can love. Let me read it. It says, and we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. You know, the Christian faith is a communal experience. Following Jesus is a, a team sport. And we are called to love one another. In fact, you see that phrase, brothers and sisters, we'll find that five times in today's passage. So we're called to love one another, and that may mean loving people who are at a difficult place in life. There's a lot to take in in these verses, so let's work through. One by one, we'll see the command, and we'll see it attached to a group of people. First, warn those who are idle and disruptive. We're to express caution to someone who is proceeding in a way that's creating disorder or who is being divisive. We may have to come to a point, when I say we, this is an instruction just for pastors. This is instruction for the family of God. We may have to come alongside and gently warn someone, advise them of impending danger, Caution them that the way they're acting or how they're getting riled up is going to cause disunity. And sometimes someone's behaving in a way that's creating burdens in the church and one of us has to step in and say, hey, let's take it down a notch. Warn the disruptive. Secondly, encourage the disheartened. In the family of God, we always have people who are discouraged or who are struggling, or who are depressed, or who are beat down. We all know people who need to be strengthened, or who need to be inspired, or who need to be spurred on in life. How many times have we personally needed someone to reach out to us with a word of prayer, or with a, some wisdom from the scriptures, or just to tell us that they're with us on the journey? Warn the disruptive, encourage the disheartened, look at the next one, help the weak. We all have areas of weakness in our life. Emotional weaknesses, physical weaknesses, mental weaknesses, maybe weakness in temptation or financial weaknesses. And one way that we can love others is to give them some help from the family. A few weeks ago in here, we spoke about the temptation in sexual purity from 1 Thessalonians Chapter four, one of the things we said is for those of you who are struggling with that, don't run away from the church. Do what? Run to us. We want Fellowship Bible Church to be a, a place where it's okay to not be okay. We've all got weaknesses. We've all got struggles in life. We all uh, have times in our life where we need inspiration or strengthening. And that's when we're here for each other the most. So help the weak. And then it says to be patient. There's always one in the list that you don't like, isn't there? 
I'm not a very patient person, but it says be patient with who? Everyone. Be willing to bear with annoyance. Be willing to experience misfortune or pain because someone else is going through something and it's coming back on you. And then don't express agitation or irritation with them. Be patient. With everyone mentioned in this passage and then anyone else who's being difficult, disappointing, argumentative, demanding, or rude, give people space. You know, patience is a fruit of the Spirit. Patience is also an attribute of God. And patience is what he shows us when we're still working on our stuff, isn't it? Then lastly, he says, ensure harmony. He says, be a peacemaker between those who are in conflict with one another. Let me read it. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Teach people to avoid revenge and retaliation and to actually repay others good when they've offended. And that would include us too. The scriptures call for us not to carry around the burden of bitterness towards someone that's offended us for the long haul. We drop it. We repay good where there's been an offense. So let's stop right here. Look at this list. I guaranteed you opportunity for application. Can you see a verb on the list or a group of people on the list that maybe fits you, that you need to help or encourage, that you need to be patient or you need to warn? Can you see something up there? I would encourage you to live this passage out this week. Sincere followers of Jesus express love for people. We love people, all kinds of people, immature people and mature people, healthy people and hurting people. God's called us to love others, and he's also called us to love him. We express sincere devotion. So not only does this passage have many commands on how to love one another, but also how to express devotion. Look at verses 16 to 18. It says, rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. These are all spiritual expressions to the Lord. Let's work through each one. It first says, rejoice always. Now, this is more than an invitation to be glad. It's more than a challenge to put on your happy face. It's a call to perpetual praise. Rejoice is a verb. It's more than a feeling. It's joy in action and expression. So this is a command to continually express joy in the Lord. And it transcends time and circumstances. How often does it say to rejoice? Rejoice always. Like the psalmist said in Psalm 18. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will what? Rejoice and be glad in it. Sometimes the days are good. Sometimes the days are difficult. Sometimes the days are a grind and they're mundane. But I will rejoice in the Lord always. How can that happen? How can we continually express joy even in the difficulties of life, in the midst of the struggle, in the face of temptation, in the presence of injustice? Well, just remember that joy is more of a perspective 
It, it doesn't focus on the present. It sees today through the hope of tomorrow in the Lord. It's based in faith. It's rooted in hope. Joy longs for what will be. I love what C.S. Lewis said about joy. He wrote a lot about joy, but this is one of my favorite quotes. It says, all joy reminds. It's never a possession. It's always a desire for something longer ago or further away or still about to be. Joy is knowing what the Lord has done, what the Lord will do, what the Lord can do, and what the Lord is doing. Joy is knowing that the Lord works for our good in all circumstances. Last week, I was doing some care calls, um, and I called uh, Tony Royclo. And, and Tony's a long-term friend. Is he in here today? See Tony? Um, and he got his fifth, fifth cancer diagnosis. Five times he's been tested, and over the years, he's faced a doctor who told him five times. And he was on a walk, and as he was talking to me, remember, I called him to encourage him because he was disheartened. He started encouraging me. He was describing the lump behind his ear. He was talking about his immunotherapy appointment he had that afternoon, and there was praise on his lips. And Tony just has this perspective on what will be that helps him exist in what he's walking through in the present. He lives out those words, rejoice always. Look at verse 17. Pray continually. Now what is that getting at? What, what does it mean to pray continually? Let me give you a few thoughts. Obviously, this is not a call for us all to quit our jobs and abandon all other pursuits just so we can pray. If we did that, we'd all starve. Nothing would ever get done. So here's a way to think about it. Don't give up on prayer. Like the persistent widow of Luke chapter 18, keep praying until the Lord answers. Pray continually until your wayward child comes back to the Lord. Pray continually for your ailing parent. Pray continually for your future spouse. Pray continually for your unbelieving friend or family member. Don't give up on prayer. Continually go to the Lord. I know people that have prayed for someone or something for 25 or 30 years, pleading with the Lord to hear them and answer. Don't give up on prayer. Now that's one way to look at that short verse. Here's another. Pray continually. Live with an ongoing expression of dependence on the Lord. Don't just pray in the morning for a short time or pray at night before you go to bed, but walk in prayer. Pray your way through your day. Pray your way through your week. Pray your way through your year. Pray about the little things and the big things and the routine things. Pray about your relationships and pray about your conversations and pray about your appointments. The idea is to make prayer your native tongue, to make it habitual and natural, to, to get to the point where prayer is actually involuntary. Now, in church history, the liturgical churches have offered some structure to this practice of continual prayer through a discipline called the daily office. Now, the daily office is a set schedule of prayer. It varies in number, sometimes um, as little as three, sometimes five 
appointments of prayer, sometimes seven appointments of prayer. They get the practice from Psalm 119, verse 164, which says, seven times a day I will praise you. It's just a scheduled reminder of prayer. So if you struggle with being forgetful in prayer, you might try the daily office strategy. Set an appointment for a short time of prayer with the Lord in your phone, three or, or five. Or if you're a spiritual, uh, you got gusto, if you're a stud, seven times a day, pray continually. And look at the last part of this section, verse 18. It says, give thanks in all circumstances. In describing how we can love God in devotion, it says, rejoice always, pray continually, and now give thanks in all circumstances. We're called to be a grateful people, to have an attitude of gratitude. And again, this seems to be an, an ongoing disposition. We're called to be grateful in all circumstances, whatever comes our way. Now, immediately, I should point out that the passage says, to be grateful in all circumstances, not grateful for all circumstances. This is not a call to thank God when tragedy or, or struggle or um, some sort of trial comes into your life. Be thankful in them should they come our way. We've got a lot to be thankful for, don't we? And in our country, we have a rhythm. And in our annual rhythms, the month of November is a time where we pause and express thanks to the Lord, and so we're going to be doing that towards the end of the month. In fact, next week, you'll have an opportunity to express thanks to the Lord in our annual Thanksgiving share service, so be thinking about that. The psalmist said in Psalm 103, praise the Lord and forget not all of his benefits. Give thanks in all circumstances. Mark Schatzman, our Bentonville congregational leader and one of our teaching pastors has an exercise that I think is really helpful in this area. In fact, I want to do it right now. Everybody take your fists and close them. Put them out in front of you. You at home, close your fists. You ever feel like you start your day just like this? Even if you try to go before the Lord, close fists, stressed out, anxious. And he says, just start by being grateful and start thanking the Lord for who he is and what he's done. And his provision of the Holy Spirit, his word of God that's a lamp unto our feet. Start thinking, God, about the people in our life and the blessings in our life. And next thing you know, open them up. You're in a right posture before the Lord. I told you this would be practical, didn't I? 100% guaranteed you can practice Mark's gratefulness exercise. I've found it to be helpful in my life. So rejoice, pray, and be thankful. R.P. And all of them, it's an ongoing expression. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances so it's repetitive. Get it? R-P-T, repeat. Hey, this might be a nice outline for your personal devotional time. Just work through R-P-T. I'm gonna rejoice, I'm gonna pray, and I'm gonna offer thanks this morning. In fact, you could practice it every day for the rest of this month and try to build that habit of devotional life in your soul. Well, the passage continues with its practical instruction, this time on hearing from God. Look at verse 19. It says, do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. 
Do not quench the Spirit. When the flame of the Holy Spirit warms the heart, don't throw a bucket of cold water on it. As the Holy Spirit leads and guides and convicts, listen and obey. Now let's talk about these verses in context. This letter was written in the first century to the Thessalonican church, and they didn't have the completed canon of Scripture. And so the Apostle Paul is actually encouraging them to be open to prophetic utterances to hear from the Lord. And at the same time, he's warning them to be careful. He says, don't treat prophecies with contempt. And at the same time, don't trust everyone who says they have a word from the Lord. Test and verify and be careful. So it was great instruction for them. We're in a different situation. We do have the completed canon of scripture. So, so what do we do with these two verses? Well, first, an easy application. Don't quench the spirit. As the spirit leads and guides and convicts you, listen and obey. And especially as you hear from the authoritative word of God, don't hold it in contempt, but honor it, submit to it, and obey it. Amen? But what do you do when someone comes to you and says, God told me to tell you something? Has that ever happened to you? Or, or I have a word of the Lord, a word from the Lord for you. Now, I've had that happen quite a bit to me, being in a pastoral position, whether it be through email or a letter or somebody coming to me and wanting to visit. And I have found that sometimes it's absolutely a word from the Lord. It, it seems to have wisdom. It seems to line up with scripture. It speaks uh, wisely and with discernment into a specific situation or a specific time. And, and, and my job is to, to verify, but then to listen and obey. And then I've had some really weird stuff shared with me under the banner of this is from the Lord, stuff that's so out there that it was unintelligible or it was inspired by a hallucinogenic drug. And at that point, I email it to a ministry partner and say, what do you think about this? And they say, that's cray cray. And then we just throw it in file 13, the trash can. So don't email me about aliens. Seriously. <laughs> Sorry. I've also had some people tell me that this is from the Lord and it's something that's wrong. The Lord's not telling you to leave your spouse to go live with your boyfriend or girlfriend. It's easy to test and reject what is evil. Well, man, we've covered a lot under the banner of loving people well and expressing sincere devotion to the Lord. Paul wrote this letter to a maturing group of believers sincere disciples of Jesus, and he gave them a, a ton of instructions, and we get to benefit from it. Today's a day to live out your faith. So I ask you, what's the Lord prompted you to do as a result of looking at these verses? How can you love somebody better this week? Do you need to encourage the disheartened? Do you need to help the weak? Do you need to make peace between people in conflict? Or how is the Lord guiding you to pursue him on a greater heart level and devotion? Do you need to rejoice always? Pray continually? Give thanks in all circumstances? 
Maybe you've been down in your devotional time and that little outline, RPT, would just help you get started in the morning. Or maybe you need to listen to the Holy Spirit because you know you've been quenching him. He's been convicting you or guiding you and you're resisting his leadership. I wanna encourage you when we hit a passage like this, close to 20 commands, engage and live out your faith. Well, we're closing out our series. Let's look at the last few verses of the passage. Um, these are how Paul closes out the letter and then we're gonna get to the, the benediction. He says, brothers and sisters, pray for us. Paul asked the family of God to support him in prayer. He says, greet all God's, holy, God's people with a holy kiss. Just not in COVID. We're pulling back on the holy kisses right now. And he says, I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers and sisters. And that's what we've been doing this fall. The, the letter to the Thessalonians is being circulated not only way back in the first century, but still today, and we're reading it and studying it. And he says, the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Hey, would you stand with me? Even those of you at home, if you're watching at home in your living room, stand with us. I wanna pray this benediction over you from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23 and 24. Hear these words from the Lord. May God himself the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Well, Lord, I pray that that would be true in our lives today. Would you continue to grow us nearer to you? Would you continue to sanctify us? Lord, our whole being, body, soul, and spirit. And Lord, I pray that you would be magnified in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Sing this together. Lift up the name of Jesus, that he'd be magnified in our lives.
Reminder that our prayer room is open. If you'd like prayer this morning, go in peace and the love of Christ.